we acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which you are located. And we also acknowledge the ancestors, elders and families of the Wurundjeri and Woiwurrung of the Kulin, who are the traditional owners and custodians of the university land on which this work took place. We pay respect to the deep knowledge embedded within the Aboriginal community and their ownership of country. Welcome to the Dynamics of Community podcast from Victoria University. This first series is a group of seven conversations from the project titled Documenting Community-Based Arts Approaches to Foster Social Connectedness and Health Equity. The project is gathering digital stories from young people and creatives about their experiences, visions and practices around arts and creativity that fosters social change. The project is a collaboration with and funded by Vic Health, and the work will support Vic Health's Future Reset program. This program uses community-based art projects to facilitate social connection and increased well-being for young people. The creatives are in conversation with Christopher Son and Matthew Klugman from Victoria University and they took place both in person and online. Others from the Dynamics of Community Research Collaborative were also involved in the making of these. Enjoy this collection of conversations and the rich stories and wisdom from the creatives. So I guess the first question would be, tell us a bit about yourself um, and your creative practice. So my name is Mariam Cosley. I am based in Melbourne, unfortunately. Um, I'm of African descent. Uh, my mum is Ethiopian. My dad is Somali and Yemeni. Um, and essentially there's lots of things that I do to engage with community or participate in community engagement. A lot of it is through a vehicle of creativity and expression. So I'm a journalist by profession. I've, um, I advocate for education, equity, um, and healthy spaces for expression, particularly for young people from low socioeconomic classes that identify as being African, and even more so for people that were born and raised in this country and identify as having a dual identity within themselves. Um, a lot of my work is around workshops in school communities and also in community spaces where I'm trying to elicit critical conversation about identity and purpose and also encourage young people to become active, democratic um, members of society so that they can change the world without trying to sound too cliche um, for a better place. Mm. So that's a lot of where my work is steeped in. I work independently in collaboration with lots of different African organizations and I'm trying to hold um, so-called leaders accountable for some of the things that they have been promising young people and others. So there's a few things that I do as an individual. I'm a creative myself. Obviously, I'm the creator of African Kings, the documentary series mm -hmm. that I'm going to refer to. But outside of that, I define myself as a writer and a poet and also just, you know, someone that really loves to have a yarn. <laughs> That's really neat. There's a whole number of things there that I thought, oh, that will take me off into other sorts of directions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially the question, what is it, the statement about unfortunately? Yeah, because I always <laughs> I always say that because even though I was born and raised in mm. what I call white Australia, I wish I was somewhere else. I wish mm. I was up in Africa somewhere. Mm. And it's somewhere I'm permanently planning to move to. But for now, I always kind of say... Yeah. You know, I'm not here by choice per se, but I'm planning to exit 
quite positively oh, to where I belong. <laughs> so what? And what about this? I mean, the comment about uh, what is the, the struggles of of dual identities or, or multiple. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like there's many layers to how young African youth are defining or perceiving their identity, mm. and it has a lot to do with becoming a first or second generation migrant, living the complete quote unquote experience, and walking away maybe from. Uh, their predecessors or their aunties, their uncles, their mothers and fathers, where they're in um, exclusively a survival mode. Mm. And I feel that the way um, Australia has developed as a diverse country um, or a city or a suburb means that on top of the kind of global stereotypes, um, the destruction and oppression of the African man or woman through media, Mm. um, through incorrect history, through you know stereotypes and biases it's all kind of come into like an interesting melting pot in in australia that already has a history of mistreating um and dehumanizing black people and that could be said for indigenous aboriginal people so it's almost as if we've kind of picked up the baton and collected that legacy of the lack of accountability the lack of kind of critical discourse around what it means to be african or black um and you kind of mix it up with kind of conflicts in people's back home the disruption between young people and their relationships with their family unit or their community Mm. they're losing trust in their community not participating in community activities not seeing the need to understand people from outside of their country or tribe and and look at Africa Mm. as a whole continent that we can all kind of grow and live in. And, you know, we know that social media is kind of accelerating this individualistic, capitalistic mindset. So if you put all of these things together, this is a really interesting equation where I feel like young African people feel quite lost Mm. and unable to properly and healthily express themselves because when they do... They are they they are seen and treated as something quite alien and different, and I guess that is really what I saw working in um, the youth justice setting. Quite a few um, young African people are in incarcerated mm. here in the state of Victoria, and it's this conversation around identity and purpose and belonging that I don't think this country has the breath to really accept. I think that's uh, I mean the the layers. Um, I think the visit that we went to last. Mm. What two weeks ago? I think this is this, these were some of the sorts of topics that that came up there. But look, I'll I'll come back to that. That's a really amazing um, response to some of the sorts of challenges and contextualizing. I think a little bit of yourself in the in the project yeah, that you you engage with. Um, I just want to come back to the community arts sort of um, project and, and say say a little bit about how how did you become involved in that. Um, that's a really great question yeah. because when I speak to people, they think I came out of my mum's uterus with a fist up, <laughs> um, which is not the case at all. Uh, as a young person being raised in this country, I felt very disconnected by choice to my culture and my community and really adopted what I call a white mindset in terms of, you know, engaging and surviving with my peers, which were predominantly non-African. And I feel as a result of that journey, I was able to really... Um, see the benefits of participating in a culture where I was dismissing or ignoring my own people and it wasn't until I moved to Ethiopia lived there and came back that I realized that I had been kind of a bit hoodwinked or brainwashed or manipulated in the understanding Mm. of what it means to be African so essentially when I came back from Ethiopia I dedicated my skills and services until I returned to 
support and help young people and I realise that inherently if I was a journalist or working in communications or, you know, writing or performing a poem, all of that is connected to storytelling. So essentially I said, okay, as a storyteller, how can I develop a practice that is inclusive and that at Mm. its core holds accountability because I feel like that is a very necessary kind of fuel to the engine of necessary sustainable change. Not like, you know, delivering a one-hour workshop and, and, you know, never seeing that person again. It's just like, you know, just on the tail tail code on the way out, like, you know, just like a the closing Hollywood film. But essentially it's like how could I create a sustainable culture and practice of critical discourse that results in some kind of sustainable change that is underpinned in accurate information sharing and education, intergenerational kind of dialogue, and also returning young people back to Africa so that they see themselves as a diaspora having a responsibility. So I started off by, you know, going around and taking photos of people that I share on social media. Even though I personally loathe social media, I say this all the time, as a social media advisor for like, you know, nearly, and now like kind of nearly 10 years and all that but I recognize that's where young people congregate so I started taking photos of African people um, with a hashtag your blackness is beautiful and interviewing and interviewing hundreds of people on the street trying to understand you know what where how are you feeling what what do you think to be an African in Australia do you feel like you're being accepted and I realized the one unfortunate concurrent theme in my conversations with African people were quite lonely and they were craving intentional connection So then when I started working in the youth justice system, I realized that our stories as an African diaspora in Australia, or some people might call African-Australian, that timeliness of storytelling hasn't been shared. So I created the documentary series African Kings and I interviewed all these, you know, African-Australian men. At the time, my purview was on young African boys that are being incarcerated, not understanding that we all had a shared struggle and that there was a solution out of it. But I'm also planning to film African queens to talk about, you know, romance and love and femininity and and what it means to, you know, build a family because apparently that is taboo now in this kind of new age. So essentially I wanted to have a gender offering to talk about things that I think were specifically African and, again, rooted in education and critical discourse and something where I wasn't kind of sticking to, like, just my country or just my tribe or just a local government area but actually challenging those boundaries that the system had put up like um, mm. unspoken, put up around these different areas um, to divide us and segregate our knowledge. And essentially I would come in, which is really great because I've been doing this actively for about three years now. Yeah. So not so not a long period of time, you know. Gra- in the grand scheme of things, lots of people have been yeah. doing this stuff for, you know, ever and ever. But essentially because I transitioned from being quote-unquote a white person to quote-unquote an African person <laughs> and then also understanding how, how that transition came to be, I think that I've got a, a greater urgency and creativity in my practice and I've got a different step in terms of how to be more inclusive and accountable that is comes from me, you know, being a journalist and really not accepting what everyone else is doing around me. Mm. So I guess being the new kid is good because you can just walk in and then, you know, say, hey, I think this is horrible, all of it. Yeah. So I wondered, I mean, part of what we wanted to do, because in in the Australian context, people talk about community, community arts and what, what that means. Yeah, they love it. So I wondered, yeah, so I wondered if you if you could reflect on that, because I, I, I think that what you've offered already um, is, is a much broader way um, and a much more politicized way mm. of thinking about what creativity can mm. be and what community arts can be. Yeah, you see, this is this is really interesting. So I've got a lot of views about 
quote-unquote community arts practice we're gonna strip it all the way back to the very beginning right because i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna get lost in the quicksand of bureaucratic bullshit okay um so essentially strip it it. so essentially like bringing it all the way back everyone is a creative person Mm. and creativity is an outlet of your lived experience it's an expression that is raw and true to how you perceive the world we'll start off with the beginning right community arts practice claims right really underline that claims to try to foster a space a safe space where people can interact with that perspective and share and grow right and that might be unique to the country you're from or your you know your sexuality your gender your relationships with your family the beauty of art is that it reaches no bounds in terms of how you can form that my issue with community arts practices is in from what I see, again, I've already given you the context of my yes. experience in this yes. space and the fact that I work independently. So maybe if I was more ingrained in more processes and systems, I'd have a more different view. But f- as it stands, it feels like community arts practices, everything is everyone wants to hear it and it kind of feels like a bit of a buzzword. And I also feel like it's really, really connected to a grant system. Mm-hmm. This is my issue with so-called community arts practice because it's underpinned by a timeline that's set so much more higher than the intentions of the artist or the curator or the community that's bringing something to life it means that inherently there's something about it that is toxic Mm. because the way in which it's growing is not authentic even though the outcome or objective may on paper seem to be creating impact Right. So I guess my issue is I understand that community arts practice is collaborative and expressive and safe um, and has the potential to develop, you know what I mean, and educate, particularly those that are getting into the field of arts and trying to understand something difficult or painful or exciting. But from how I see it as a consumer in a lot of cases, going into galleries or centers or workshops or seeing how people share things and speak about it, it feels like it just doesn't feel real mm. sometimes. And, and and as someone that has a lot of words to describe lots of different things, you just kind of, you just kind of know. Yeah. And I think it's, ref- and that is mirrored by the fact that are people engaging in these community arts? Like when I mean engaging, not just kind of consuming, but actually understanding, reflecting, developing. How do we track that? How do we, is, is it really accessible to different, to different mm. generations of people? Are different people embracing this so-called community arts practice? Mm. Because it's like as people biologically, regardless of where you sit on the spiritual spectrum, as people, we want to belong. So community is an easy word for people to feel nice and fuzzy because in a world where we feel so disconnected, even though we have all these ways to connect, like on social media, for instance, we are actually inherently craving a community that loves and supports us and wants to hear us. Mm -hmm. But I feel like community arts practice, I am not really that inspired or see that consistency and sustainability that sits separate from a very kind of agenda-driven, bureaucratic grants model. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> so, I think there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's quite a, there's, there's quite a, a lot in that, 
too, because I think th those are some of the sorts of critiques generally ar around some of the community arts modalities and maybe part of what you describe and how you mobilize creativity I mean, speaks to, I think, reappropriates cultural, mm. cultural practices uh, modality for being in the world and doing things mm. in the world. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I I would say I would say yes or no. Like here's again. Yes here's no. the thing. No, here's the because thing. Because there's all these different words and cre creativity shouldn't have so many words pinning it yeah. pinning it and down. I think, that's, I think that's the main. That's thing really that disciplines and all sorts of things that yeah. That Do you know what I mean? Because we're all inherently creative, so we don't need mm. so many words to talk about what we all have in us, mm. and we can all express. Do you but know we, what I mean? But we do we do need to have a language for No, there is there mm. is a shared language in terms of identifying this this yeah. field. But what I'm saying is I'm never one that comes in and says I'm this the expert yeah, yeah. in doing something no. like this. Yeah. That's not how that's not how it works. Yeah. Everything that my it, whether that be my workshops or my sessions, it's all about path, the, the main the main objective is for it to be passed on to create a legacy. Mm. It's not for me to share what I've created. It's to ensure that everyone that participates is able to practically pick up what I've spoken about and action it if they have the courage to do so, right? So it's like, it feels kind of like, it feels like it's a glorified kind of like gallery, these kind of community centers, <laughs> yeah. because it doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> say, do you get what it, we're talking about the functionality of creativity. Mm. Like we're not talking about what you can express because yeah. I hate to say, this might sound like an unpopular, anyone can be an artist. This is this is whatever yeah. like it's not. I don't think I'm special in in. in I've, yeah. I've just recognized that my skill is storytelling, and it and that yeah. those are the metrics that it hits. But everyone yeah. can create a community, and everyone can create art. So mm. by virtue of those two things, wouldn't you be an arts a, practitioner? A, a community Does that mean art. community arts practitioner? A community like, maker. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just I don't know. I think look, I think so, and I think I mean we've got a. I mean there's ways. You describe the system as the as as mapping it onto grant making or grant giving or grant totally. receiving, and that and that does, to some extent, def define a whole series of things by virtue of the fact that it's attached to outcomes or yeah or particular yeah, regimes well, of what needs to happen. So absolutely. So I totally yeah I totally understand I totally understand that. So I want to I want to ask you just take the conversation a little bit into. Um, what what you've said about what you do, um, mm. yep. So this is, I mean, you can use the examples of African kings and the future um, African queens, but but just some of your reflections on through your engagement in producing these things with people. I mean, what are some of the sorts of ways in which it lands with people? I'm not going to say impacts or influences. Where, where where do you where do you see it lands for people? What does it do for them? That's a really good question because you feel like it's landing or it's being perceived in a certain way. Yeah. But essentially I feel that what I say to myself is that it is a reminder that change is a kind of reality that anyone can participate in. And I feel that because consistency is a really important element of my practice – and constantly going back to the person, constantly going back to the areas, constantly going back to a topic and developing it. I feel that people have a sense of trust trust, and therefore collaboration because it's collaborative, mm. the change I'm talking about. 
it's not individualistic it's collaborative i need people to mm. do what we all agreed on when we've discussed and workshopped and and, and painted and ate and and mm. sang and, and danced together there is an action like i don't want to say an outcome like in the bureaucratic bureaucratic mm. sense right yep. but it's 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 the trust that i've given to people to continue that because essentially at the end of the day it's those people that are going to make that change in their relevant spaces because it's almost kind of like i'm like any person that i speak to can go to anywhere in the world be doing any kind of job be you know what i mean mm. speaking any kind of language how can they take on these philosophies or these skill sets or these reflections and practically use this in any in any yeah. setting like i'm not bound by a local government area or like a council room mm. you know and the the way i think people are impacted by my work is 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 positive it it's action driven mm. that's something that i'm really because i feel like we've gotten really comfortable and lazy in in the in the need yeah. for people to actually do what they say yeah. <laughs> like you know I, I come to people and i say i have an expectation of you i quite clearly say that because it's, it's, it's intentional work yeah and, and 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 the reason i say that is because like sure we can like talk about it you can have an opinion on it you can have an emotion an emotion associated to it a memory but at the end of the day everyone that i'm interested interacting with knows exactly what I'm looking at of them yeah. and it, vice versa they also have an expectation of me so when I go and advocate when I go and speak mm. they understand that I am trying to propel you know we're all working together it's not one person here and yeah. another person here you know what I mean and I I, re I I recognize even in the context of the African diaspora, it's like only certain voices are shared, only certain stories might be shared. And I'm just like, there are people, um, you know, that have just come out of jail, that are homeless, et cetera. They, they have value, they have opinions, they have skills. Th these people need to be uplifted too, you know. Yeah. Okay, so can you, I mean, if you mentioned African kings and you mentioned some of the work that you did with people in de detention. Can yeah. you tell me, can you, can you tell me a little bit about each, each of those, but just to, to talk about, I mean, what is it that you, what is it that you did through that process and yeah. what is it that people, how did people respond to, or how did people, or how do people respond yeah. to African kings yeah. and how, and how? And what did you do with people in detention and, and mm. how did people respond to that? Yeah. As yeah. two examples of the work that you've been doing. Yeah. So mm. essentially it was after working in youth justice where I thought of African Kings. Okay. That was the real kind of um, inspiration, dare I say, to, to put this into action. And essentially what I sat and realized as I was speaking to all these young people was that they, they wanted to hear from the horse's mouth what life was about and mm. for whatever reason even though i try to summarize it they didn't believe that so i was just like okay cool so you're not kind of understanding really what i'm saying as an individual okay maybe i need to reframe how this message is going to be delivered mm. and then that started getting me thinking about like african diasporas in australia like what about our stories are being shared outside of just the mainstream news and how are we delving into who they are and the makeup of mm. their their life and then i thought why wouldn't it be great if there was a documentary and i interviewed all these different types of people and they spoke about as if speaking to their younger self yeah what what they experience 
And then maybe this is my thinking. I could use that as a jumping board for reflection and conversation and, and actual work. So essentially once I realized that I would do a documentary because obviously video content mm. is so popular and, and, and people are lazy, you know, I couldn't write it in a book. Um, you know, I would have to read it. I would have loved to. I would have loved to write it in a book, but I can't because I'm t talking to young people. So I came out with this documentary series and identified core themes and then started matching it up to school curriculum. And then I started matching it up to professional development, matching it up to broader community practice and started really understanding that this could be used in all these different spaces, that there was agility mm. to the documentary and I could be quite creative with it. So, you know, sometimes I could go and have a discussion with someone and other times yeah. it could be an arts class. I've been invited to do like a cooking session. I said to everyone, it's, it's, it's free flowing. Yeah. It's free flowing because the themes and the video <laughs> actually has lots of kind of tentacles that can be practically used in your mm. in, in your community space, in how you're engaging with young people or how you're engaging yeah. with community. And then essentially I realize that you can't go to a young person and say, Well, these are all the things that you need to change when they have their own network of people. And that if there was a young person and then you had their parents and then you had like, you know, the police and then you had like teachers and you had like volunteers, that in fact everyone should have the same information, which ties into information equity. All information needs to be equitable and accessible. That's another problem with community arts. Mm. It's not accessible and it's not equitable, truly to its core. Mm. So I said, well, all, all of this needs to be remodeled so that everyone in that person's life in theory could pick up that information and use that practically mm. so obviously to a teaching audience if i'm advocating to the department of education which is something i'm doing now and i'm saying well teachers need to have this resource teachers need to learn how they're speaking to students then parents need to have a similar offering students need to have a similar offering yeah. so it's so it's holistic yep. so that's that's african kings and then african queens is similar with a different focus because what i realize about african men is like they don't have healthy spaces for expression or behavior. Whereas women, women are different. You know, women have more kind of fertile um, places to discuss and, and plan and, mm. and, and connect. And I realized that, I realized that for women, I wanted to speak about like, you know, the hypersexualization of women on social media and this idea that we aren't actually like, what do you think about love and relationships and familyhood? What does it mean to be a mother? Do you want to be a mother? You know, stuff mm. like that. Things that I feel like maybe is not so culturally uh, accepted in this individualistic society, right? Because it's yeah. now it's cool to be like, I never want to have kids. But culturally, it's quite different. So kind of like having a discussion mm. about things like that. So I've got a series of themes and topics for women that are different to men. So did they? where did the themes come from for the women? Is this because of the interviews that you did previously or no so essentially it's it's what i'm observing mm. it's my observations it was different for african kings because i did that during covid yeah and it was a different system different. but right now i'm going to have a more like i'm going to ask people to nominate who they want to be an african queen for this process okay i want people to nominate topics of discussion and questions and stuff so i want it to be more inclusive because now people are understanding like what African kings in the show and the thing, so yeah. I want it. I want it to be more collaborative. And people already come up to me and say, like, you know, I I really want to participate in this. So I'm just, I I say, yeah, sure. Um, and the second piece of work connected to, uh, 
I guess the summit is the digital well-being stuff. Yes. And that that is that's arts and education. Yes. So there's a lot impact. of pedagogy stuff in the work that you do. Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of it is bit about pedagogy. It's a, it's a sort of a um, a consciousness raising. Yes. Very dialogical. Yeah. Very relationship oriented. Yeah, yeah. 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 hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. And and these are and these yeah. are all and these are all things that we need yeah. to sustain critically. Yeah. Not just put on paper, but actually need to sustain sustain. And I just I want to go back to the whole expectations. We need to have an expectation of practice. Mm. There needs to be a standard and there needs to be a standard that we hold accountable to. That was a really frustrating thing about going into community. Like, what is the standard? What is the expectation? Mm. What is the metric? What so are we who, working who with? who sets that? Well, that's what I asked. Yeah. The community? The <laughs> yeah, I think, agencies, I think the funders? The definitely not the funders. Definitely. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'll definitely tell you not that. The, yeah, definitely not the definitely government not the, and definitely not so, any funders. So I think this is, and that's this one is of what the key I'm trying things, to say. Right? This yeah, is this what is I'm trying is, to say. Exactly. This is, exactly. It, it, needs yeah. to, it needs to be the people without trying to sound like, you know, mm. too much of a socialist right now. It needs to be the people. Yeah. The people need to understand these yeah. terms and have a positive relationship and take ownership yeah and then develop it which is what i think they say they're doing yeah. you know but I, is not actually happening yeah i think you're getting into this this other question which is about the visions for if we're going to call it community arts or whatever i think it's community community and there's there's a sort of community engaged praxis that you're describing and um, creativity is a is a vehicle, or it's part and parcel mm. of the process. So, I mean, what are what are your what are your visions for how how do we how do we do this and how do we how do we get to that point where um, where we know what the benchmarks are and people understand what it is that we need to do? I think we need a lot of consultation and genuine mm. community engagement mm. that goes outside of your mates. I feel like. Essentially, what I would do if I had all the money in the world, which oh, is often a thought one. that I think of every morning on a range of different kind yeah. of topics, because you just got to manifest until it happens. And then when it happens, you can't look too surprised, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially, it needs to first be completely separate from funding cycles. There needs mm. to be a diversification, whether that be philanthropic, you know, whether that be corporate social responsibility that's disconnected to, you know, the, 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 the rhythm of of how creativity is being kind of put out there. And I feel like community, genuine community engagement, like old school going out, seeing how many spaces are available, seeing mm. how many people, what skills people have. I just want to go to everyone and say, well, what is your skill set? And they're going to say nothing. And I'm going to say, I bet you're something. Yeah. You would have been a writer or a or a kind of like, you know, sculptor or like a florist, something. Whatever you have, you write that down. And I collect thousands and thousands of these sheets of paper and I match them up and everyone starts working together. Because like essentially that's yeah. that's what it is. It's saying, okay, what what is your what is your what is your tool of expression? What is that? And culturally speaking, we all have that because there were roles and expectations and standards. So people would be expected to do certain things. Yeah. Right? And it's saying, okay, how can we match that with this new model? A re a reconnecting or relinking. Yeah, I just feel like we don't know what's inside people. We don't know what their potential is. Yeah. And, and they haven't brought that out because they don't see a space for that potential to be celebrated. Mm. So a young person will be like, oh, I'll just be a rapper. 
you know that's what they see around them now, and yeah? because that's what's no 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 that's what's being celebrated that's not just yeah. what they it's not just about visibility it's about validity yeah and essentially it's like if you don't fall into the certain streams of expression then you're not creative and it also it also has something to say. How do we redefine? Well, how do we redefine? Like, go out, talk to people, and be consistent about it. And I guess it's hard to strike consistency without a like yeah. st- stable funding model. That's why I'm always my first answer is step away. Step away from. <laughs> and fun- you can't funding. be relied on. Fa- yeah, you got to do the stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm thinking like philanthropic funding feels right. What's feeling right in the it's context of right. Australia? Because what else? Yeah, what like are the other options? what are the other actual viable options to so be like let's open a community center let's get young people in let's have an expectation a shared definition and let's do things without being so f- afraid of government closing our doors down like i feel yeah. like there's it's fear that is creating art <laughs> Write that down. I gotta write that. Down. I've got to write that down it's later. Recorded. I've got to write that it's down recorded. later. No, we'll but send I, you the transcript. I genuinely believe that's what it is. I think it's fear. I feel it's fear. I mean, there's there's so many things that you said in there, which which um, is really important for us to think about in terms of just I mean, community engaged work, community accountable work, the importance of relationship and relationality there, but the stuff that you started with. Um, the the history of this place and the place of African descendant people um, is a very uh, Im- I mean I think there's lots of significant ones the indigenous voice and a whole series of things here mm. and then I think um, how do we address and how will we address some of these sorts of challenges because I think the issue of uh, blackness or mm. what is it anti-black racism mm. and the African identities and African mm. identities as wrapped up into that discourse, yeah, yeah. and the practices around that is something that, that that emerged in this context, but in in other global mm. white spaces all, also. Um, so we have similar sorts of issues and challenges, mm. whether it's Sweden, Poland, mm. places that we don't even think about, mm. right, because we think of just the former British colonies and, and so on. So I think... Mm. I think that's an important one, and I think the other comments that you made that I that um, that sits with me is the is the generations. Mm. So first generations, and then subsequent generations, and the different re- reconnecting up there in some sort of way, but then also the um, the diversity within the African mm. diaspora, yeah, the, the diversity within you, mm. even, yeah. And um, the sorts of the, the different sorts of literacies that's available for making sense of your place in the in the world or the, your your place here. Mm. Um, so I think they are they're really really important project. But then I think this other broader project that you talk about. I mean, how how do we about going going back literally and going back figuratively? Mm. As a, as a way of understanding where you belong or how you can belong. Yeah, you're talking about the continent. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't want us to go back. Yeah. That yeah. that is That's what colo- <laughs> that is what colonialism yeah. is. Yeah. Like they don't but, want us to the, go back you, and, and strengthen Africa as one of the leading continents. As well. Like let's let's actually they they don't want us to, and that's because. Uh, a shortfall of being a diaspora and being disconnected, quote unquote, mm. 
is that you're adopting and you're assimilating all these different cultures and these ideologies and these kind of behavior patterns. But as someone that's moved back, lived there, worked there, you know, I realize that they are they are putting a barrier between sharing what the real opportunities are back home. And I always use this example. It's like if you're a Jewish person and most Jewish people go to Jewish schools, by the time you're 13, 14, as a part of the curriculum, you go back to Israel. Why do they do that at such a formative time of your life? Mm. Well, it's because they go back. (laughs) You know, I haven't done it, but I'm assuming they go back and they say, hey, this is wherever you end up is where you end up. It's fine. We encourage that. We support that. But this is where you're from. And these are the opportunities. These are the connections. Yeah. within yourself your spiritual self your physical self every type of version of yourself your creative self this is where this is this is the well this is this is where you're always going to find mm. that kind of belonging that you were craving elsewhere mm. now for me as someone from the diaspora this is also a part of the conversations i have with young people you need to go back yeah, you need you, you need to go this back. This has come up a lot in the last little while for me. This going this going back. So yeah. that's why I wonder. This going back is an actual physical going back. Being on yeah like, yeah for Aboriginal people. Yeah, they speak about being on country, and I think for yeah. for yeah for displaced people, I think that that going back, literally going back. Yeah, and it's hard because when you're born and raised here, this is the difficulty. As mm. an African, you say, "Well, I wasn't born there. I don't understand." don't speak the language, I don't mm. understand the cultural practices and people that have even moved back to visit haven't been accepted and have told me, well, I never want to go back because I mm. haven't been accepted. But here's the thing about belonging. It's not some waltz. No, that's right. You know, that's right. it's not some elegant dance. Sometimes you've got to fight a bit, you know, sometimes you've got to fight a bit for There's your place back home. Around it. That's, yeah, that's there is sure. a politics, but even just a person on the street, right? Like mm. if, if I think of like when I was in Addis Ababa, I'd go into a cafe and they'd say all these things to me, right, to make me feel like I'm not welcome. It doesn't matter what their socioeconomic Mm. class is, is what I'm trying to emphasize. It doesn't matter if you're educated or, quote, unquote, not um, academically educated, however you want to define it. The person will say, well, you're a foreigner. You don't belong here. Mm. You don't belong here. And I turn around and say, well, this is my home. And then after a while, they'd accept it. Mm. Like, because it's, you, you need to... Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot more to it, but essentially, m- w- what I'm really trying to do in sharing the episodes and talking about African history, Africa Day is coming up, talking about the African Union, all, all these yep. different things, all these different leaders. I'm saying this is what people were saying 50, 60, 70 years ago, right? Yes. They were experiencing what you're experiencing, and I've said it in this right. in in this language, and you can find a whole lot more if you go back there. Yeah, and a lot of people came back to. When they opened this thing, they went back to Marcus Garvey. Yeah, exactly. All the way back. <laughs> mm, and about, yeah. yeah, and that's Marcus so. Garvey's another person, you know, I love speaking about. But again, in an age, this is the difficulty with the young people, in an age where you're addicted to social media, mm. your communication methods are completely destroyed, where you're unable to resolve conflict positively, where you validated and mm. heightened your lifestyle over your actual life, which is what I talk about. Is it your lifestyle or is it your life? then it's actually harder to just give someone a book. No one's in going into libraries. No one's listening to their parents. No one's, no one's, mm. soon people won't be able to, to write. AI means we're talking about a whole like, new system. Tell the system what you want. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about a whole <laughs> new system of learning yeah. and connecting. So it's like, 
we need to be a bit more creative mm. in how we engage because we